Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Friday, August the 24th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it's game day, kind of. We'll get you ready for tomorrow's Dolphins-Ravens tilt in the third and final look at our starters before things kick off for real come the regular season. We'll get you updated on injuries, game expectations, and how this game could shape the narrative heading into September. But first, as always, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review once you are there. We have become a top five podcast in the Lockdown Network, and we owe it to you guys, the fans, for making that happen. Also, the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, as voted by Dolphins Twitter, at Wingfield NFL, and the show, of course, at Locked On Fins. And last but not least in our catalog of greatness, the LockedOnDolphins.com blog, the number one blog in the Lockdown Network. Check that out for your game day preview, as well as plenty of other content from a staff of fantastic writers. We have just been crushing it this offseason, and we appreciate your guys' support on that venture as well. And the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat and Locked On Magic podcast for all you local NBA fans, and for your national fix, the Locked On NFL podcast. And Matt Williamson has a new schedule of variety of hosts coming from ESPN, The Athletic. Tons of new content for him over there. So check out his podcast. But for now, let's go ahead and get to this podcast. All right, Miami! And you guys know by now the Mad Dog takes us into the news items for the day. And they are usually injury related. And that is no different today. The injury updates Kenny Stills appears to be a go for the game on Saturday. We're going to discuss the impact of that here in a minute. William Hayes was at practice on Thursday doing sprints, which to me signals the idea that he's trying to get ready for game number one against the Tennessee Titans at home September 9th at Hard Rock Stadium. Adam Gaze said the hamstring injury that occurred more than three weeks ago was a pretty serious one, and they're obviously trying to manage that. So we won't see him in the game tomorrow, but it sounds like he's getting himself back in shape for game number one. And the same goes for Jake Brendel, who hasn't practiced since July 26th. He appears on the fast track out of here with that injury. I mean, they signed him to a one-year deal, but if you can't practice, you can't play. And he's a backup guy trying to earn a spot. And Mike Matthews, his backup at center right now, is not doing very good in his work in the preseason. Jordan Phillips is back and ready to roll. Marquise Gray is still in the concussion protocol. And at the last I checked, so was Kalen Balage. I don't expect to see him on Saturday night either. And we have one more injury to discuss, but that's actually going to be our lead for the show today. So let's go ahead and get right into it. That's another Miami Dolphins. And talking about a player that has not really earned the affection of Dolphins fans, and that's putting it lightly. I'm talking, of course, about Leonte Carew. He was banged up in practice again, did not participate in the walkthrough on Thursday, and I think his time here is just about ran out, and it probably was before this happened, but not playing in this pivotal third preseason game and not getting a chance to run with the special teams, you have to imagine the writing is on the wall for Leonte Carew, and it just signals the idea 
that this is the one draft pick they really got wrong in the Adam Gaze era. They gave up a sixth round draft choice in 2016 and a third and fourth round draft pick in 2017 to move up to the 86th spot of that 2016 draft to select Leonte Carew. He was a touchdown maker, a big time playmaker, a slot and outside receiver at Rutgers. And this is the one big red mark on the Gaze era drafting hierarchy. And we don't really know who made that decision because as of this recording, 22 of the 23 draft picks since 2016 are still on the roster. Brandon Dowdy sits as the lone exception to that rule, but Carew is well on his way out of town, and I just don't think there's any way he makes this roster, and it somewhat signals the poor roster building this team instituted around Mike Tannenbaum. They were already pretty damn deep at wide receiver when they made that choice to go up and get him, and giving up that much capital to get Carew just makes the pick even worse. And of course, hindsight will tell you a different story because I've always believed that if you like a player, you show the conviction to make sure you go out and get him, get him into your program and develop him just like they did with Xavier Howard in that same draft class going up four spots to get him. And now he looks like a superstar cornerback. And as long as you have a plan for developing these guys and bringing them along in your system like they did with Howard, I have no problem giving up draft picks to go up and get a guy, but I just don't see where that plan ever existed with Leontay Carew because he was behind Devontae Parker, Jarvis Landry, Kenny Stills. They wound up taking Jakeem Grant a few rounds later. Where was he supposed to get onto the field in 11 personnel, the primary package that Adam Gaze runs? He never had a chance, never got on the field, couldn't beat out those guys. And now here we are in year three, Landry might be gone, but Amendola and Wilson were brought in ahead of Carew and Jakeem Grant surpassed him on the death chart as well. So there's just no chance for Carew to get in here. And let's shift gears off of this bust of a wide receiver and talk about a player that figures more prominently into the 2018 Miami Dolphins. Talking, of course, about Ryan Tannehill. And I suppose this is news. I don't think it really is, but we got to talk about it. Ryan Tannehill did not wear his knee brace at Thursday's walkthrough and I did learn today via Twitter that, and I apologize for not having the handle with me here who shared this with me, but players that don't have a medical reason to wear a brace to wear a brace are not allowed to wear a brace come game day. For Tannehill, he will wear that brace. It is simply stabilizing the knee for contact situations. It's a preventative measure more than a necessary measure because to me, he is just as healthy as any other player in the league and he'll wear it come game days and contact situations in practice. And speaking of game day, we are going to get into the preview next on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. But first, a word from our newest sponsor. I'm talking, of course, about The Athletic, changing the way journalism is perceived and received by the fans. The Athletic is a subscription-based publisher of smarter sports coverage for the diehard fan. Their model is simple. The Athletic has no ads, no pop-ups, and no autoplay videos. Instead, readers subscribe for authentic, in-depth Dolphins coverage written by journalists who know their teams inside and out. Coverage will go beyond the game recaps, beyond stuff like trade speculation, and provide smarter analysis and a deeper perspective about teams and the league. Subscribers have access to local and national content with more than 650 to 700 news stories published every single week across all sports. Subscribe to The Athletic and be a part of the future of journalism. And as a special offer now, Locked On listeners can get 40% off their first year subscription. That's just $2.99 a month by going to theathletic.com slash LockedOnDolphins to get that promo code 40% off first year subscription, theathletic.com slash LockedOnDolphins. 
Segment number two on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, Friday, August the 24th, and we have a football game to talk about as the Dolphins kick off game number three of the preseason, the pivotal, if you can call it that in the preseason, matchup of the exhibition season, taking on the Baltimore Ravens at 7.30 p.m., Hard Rock Stadium, Saturday night, August the 25th, and in that contest, what should we expect to see from the Miami Dolphins and Adam Gaze's offense and Matt Burke's defense? Well, I think you're probably going to see a lot of the same stuff. Coach Gaze took to the press conference on Wednesday talking about everyone's perception around this team, around this team's philosophy in these exhibition games, and put to rest some of the ideas that this team needs to do more in the preseason or show more of their hand and become more aggressive in these games that mean nothing. I I suppose that's the idea or the sentiment fans are putting towards the Dolphins brass. And he said, quote, I know everyone wants me to chuck the ball down the field, but we can't worry about what people think that don't know what they're talking about. And that was the ultimate mic drop on top of mic drops that he has had in the past, like last season when they were talking about the quarterback switch from Jay Cutler to Matt Moore. And Gay said, quote, we aren't going to take public polls for the quarterback, end quote, continuing to put out that arrogant feel of this is my team I know a lot more football than everybody that's complaining combined so just chill out there's a reason I got hired to do this job and you guys did not and it puts the Dolphins at something of a crossroads again if you can call it that in the preseason I don't really believe that you can but it puts them in this somewhat crossroads in regards to what they're going to do going forward in this game because on one hand I feel like there's an option for Adam Gaze to just raise the middle finger Brian Cox in Buffalo style and say you know what fuck the fans fuck everybody that's doubting me or my play calling or whatever it might be I am going to do what is best for this team because I do have that big picture inherent ability that a lot of you guys are not seeing and I'm not going to show my hand with Mike Kosicki running these exotic routes down in the red zone, these sluggos we saw him run in game number one. I'm not going to pull out my awesome package that has Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant in the backfield. I'm not going to operate all these different looks and wrinkles off of my base packages to show people on film before the season even starts. Hell, I'd be surprised if he showed it in September Because if you recall, there was this Bill Belichick special called Do Your Job a few years ago, and they showed the Patriots planning throughout the course of the season, and they found a little bit of a tell in the Baltimore Ravens scheme that they could use later on in the playoffs, and they hid the package for like nine weeks in the regular season. So why would the Dolphins show you their plan in the preseason? I don't expect them to do that. But on the other hand, I could see a scenario where Gaze wants to kind of open things up, get the offense going in a certain direction in terms of having more of a vertical attack and just putting it on tape, giving teams a reason to prepare for it so maybe they can go back to their conservative underneath type of approach. So we're going to find out what they have to do, what they feel like doing, and I think at least on defense, they should try to run some more dime package because so far in the preseason, it has been so vanilla, very, very basic base defense, nickel defense, very minimal in possession substitutions on that drive they don't really substitute they'll bring on new players for the following drive but every drive has typically been the same guys whether it was three plays eight plays 12 plays whatever it was the same guy stayed out there typically cover two typically the same coverages and blitzes and that type of thing so maybe they'll get a little more expansive in that area but I wouldn't expect it 
One thing I do want to see also shifting gears is how this wide receiver workload works itself out. And that's been a main topic of contention on the podcast on LockedOnDolphins.com for several months now. And probably the main culprit of that topic has been Devontae Parker. And we're not going to see him in this game on Saturday night. We know that he is out with that finger injury. But how the Dolphins stack up this wide receiver depth chart in this game should be pretty telling for opening day. Now, sure, you're going to have the sub packages, the specialty packages for Grant, Wilson, and those speedster types of guys that can do so much from a trickeration type of standpoint. But how are they going to stack the base 11 personnel come game night? We know it's going to be Kenny Stills. He's a mainstay. We know Danny Amendola will be out there. We know exactly what we're getting from Danny Amendola. But is it going to be Jakeem Grant or Albert Wilson that's the third wide receiver in that 11 personnel? That's going to be very telling to me. How will they rotate these guys through? Who gets the most snaps in this game? Because I think you want to get yourself to a level where you're conditioned to play a full game because come September, baby, the lights go on and we got to get going. So who gets first crack in that 11 personnel? What do the substitutions look like come 12 and 13 personnel? And how much of those guys or how much playing time will each of those guys get? I think that's the biggest question to look for on offense, at least from a playing time perspective. And shifting gears towards the offense again, Another bullet point I want to discuss is the offensive line and how some things just never seem to change. We saw Dan Kilgore get his ass kicked last Friday against Carolina. KK Short does what he does best and just ran him back into the backfield most of the time. I thought Josh Sitton had a rough night. I thought Jesse Davis had a rough night. But we go back to what the interior offensive line was this time a year ago. Anthony Steen, Mike Pouncey, Jermon Bushrod. We go forward with this new group who is much better in theory And will they provide different results than what we've seen with Dolphins teams in the past against this Ravens front that is stout, it is big, it penetrates, it run blitzes, it overloads pressure, it does all these things that can cause problems for this Dolphins offensive line for so many years. Will they allow Brandon Williams, CJ Mosley, Terrell Suggs to wreck this game like they have done every single damn time the Dolphins and Ravens meet up in the regular season? Now, I know this is preseason, so things are different, but I just want to see how well that interior line holds up. Just watch the interior guys and see who gets pushed backwards on running plays or even in the passing game as well. So that's a big, big point of contention for me. Another big point of contention, the goddamn linebackers. Will they finally stop making Joe Flacco look like some type of elite quarterback? He is a statue back there. If we can somehow win first and second down, we can unleash the pass rush and get people excited about this defense and what it could be with Cam Rake, Cam Wake, Robert Quinn, Charles Harris, all these guys that can create pressure on the outside. But you have to win first and second down. We have to get better in the run fits. The run defense has to be better. No more of this getting taken off blocks, getting washed out of the play. Get in there, stick your nose in there, make a play, tackle the ball carrier, create third and seven, and unleash hell on Joe Flacco. All things told, I don't think this game will be some type of beacon of light that pushes the Dolphins into the stratosphere of fantastic football teams for 2018, but I do think you can kind of reshape the narrative in more of a positive way, and we're going to talk about how they can do that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins. It is either Friday or Saturday as you listen to this podcast ahead of the game on Saturday night with the Baltimore Ravens. We are getting you guys ready for that. And real quick before we get into the narrative shaper that this game could possibly become, let's just make a quick note about special teams. We know for the most part what the top 35 or 40 guys 
on this roster are going to look like come opening day, but the back end of the roster is going to be shaped by special teamers and who really stands out in this game because for the first two games, it's been a variety of players out there covering kicks on the return teams. And I think the group you see in this game, the opening kickoff, for instance, should be very telling. The opening punt, who's out there for the first couple of plays of special teams could really be telling as far as who they like at the back end of the linebacker spot, at the back end of the cornerback spot, and who they want to have out there ready for game days come September. So keep an eye on that. And in the last segment, I talked about how this game could possibly shift the narrative in a certain direction. And we know people are going to overreact one way or the other, positive or negative. But I think that if they come out and do things that the Dolphins fans haven't seen, that they have clamored for so far, we could see a positive shift in terms of, oh, Gaze does get it. Gaze does want to attack downfield. Gaze does want to operate more effectively in the red zone. He wants to get Tannehill going in the red zone. And whether that's... I suppose, justified in the end of things. I, I don't know that it is, but at least we can go through the rest of the offseason or pre, the, the time between these preseason games and when the season actually starts with a bit of confidence, with a little bit less annoyance on the social media avenues and everything. However, the negative narrative could be pursued once again and really beaten into the ground as if this team is still the three or four win outfit that some national publications have fancied them and it'll be the same old story, right? We can't convert third downs. We can't score touchdowns in the red zone. I've seen one beat writer, we all know who he is, that demands the Dolphins score 24 points per game. Well, only six teams in the NFL scored 24 points per game last year. So you want a top 10 offense, which I believe in theory this team can be. I think they will be right around that 10, 9, 11 range in terms of where the offense ranks at the end of the year. I think 400 points, which is 25 points per game, is a realistic goal. I could see them getting that level of offense. Now, it might be at the expense of the defense a little bit as they run more up-tempo and get things cranked up on that end. But for the most part, this offense has the personnel groupings. It has the substitution capability to really go after teams and attack them and get them worn down and just lean on them, especially in that September, October Miami heat. And I have that level of expectations for this team. And although I have really quelled the concern of preseason football over the last couple of weeks, I would be lying if I said I wouldn't feel somewhat vindicated seeing the team take on that personality or take on that level of hitting the bar that I have set for them myself personally. So game day tomorrow night, guys. Hope you enjoy. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. And before we close this podcast, I do have some grim news. I am officially the Buffalo Bills. My softball team lost its fourth consecutive league championship. And it's kind of bullshit because the opposition, they stacked their team. This was a team that in the regular season finished, I think it was like four and 12. We play 16 games. They went four and 12 because they're just not that good but they have a bunch of buddies that play tournament ball on the weekends. They called all of them up. They brought their A squad, these guys that aren't even on the roster, and they came out there and they beat the shit out of us. We got smoked. Our pitcher couldn't throw strikes. We couldn't get past that stack team. We ended up losing again for the fourth consecutive year in the championship. So I'm bummed out, but nonetheless, there's always next year, and there's always the Dolphin season to look forward to as the end of softball always means football is coming up right around the corner. And speaking of football, we are going to have some very fun podcasts on the lead-up to the season, including my personal NFL preview, where I'm actually going to break down the other 32 teams in the league. That'll probably be on one of those off days where 
there's not much to talk about. I'll have my stat predictions podcast as it pertains to the Dolphins' offensive skill players. We'll go target by target, catches, yards, everything you want to know from, I guess, a fantasy perspective, as well as just the team in general talking about stats for the offense. We've got Ian Wharton and Cameron Wolf both on the books. And guys, we are less than two weeks away from the Eagles and Falcons kicking it back off. And from there, the podcast and the site are going to be a daily venture until February when the Super Bowl happens. This has been an insanely fun offseason for me, covering the team, interacting with all of you guys, and everything that goes into this podcast and site has been an absolute blast. This month, August, has already eclipsed our highest download total, and the work and content only gets better from here. I promise you guys that. The in-season podcast and website will have special guests dissecting different areas of the games. We'll have the daily injury updates, practice updates, press conference updates, and of course, the now famous GIF Dump Tuesday when the All-22 becomes available and your boy gets on Twitter and sends out about 30 to 40 GIFs on both sides of the ball talking about the game, breaking it down, and we'll introduce a new edition this year called Tannehill Tuesdays as I will chart every throw of this very pivotal season for the Miami Dolphins quarterback. But that is coming down the line in the future. As for this podcast, that will do it for me and for the rest of the week. We'll have the post-game podcast up for you guys early Sunday morning as well as the column. You guys, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. We have expanded into the college realm. Exciting times for the Locked On Network. Give me a follow on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins and keep up to date on our daily Dolphins blog at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game. We'll talk to you on Sunday for the post-game edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. So-